Hello friends and folks and welcome back to Refresh Rate, where we take a moment to check in on the media uh, we've been enjoying and intrigued by lately. I'm Six Detmar from Scanline Media. I'm Jennifer Uncle from Scanline Media. And me, Kyrie, your usual third host. Hi Kyrie, how's it going? Not too bad. Uh, I've uh, recently uh, been singing a bit too much and so I've strained my vocal cords quite a bit and my voice has changed a mm. bit. Um, you might have noticed, uh, but you know, other than that, everything's perfectly normal and usual and as is. What's your favorite Millennium item? Uh, uh, sorry, I actually have to go now. It's been really nice doing the podcast Mm. with you all. (laughs) Suspicious. Yeah, sorry. I just, I just remembered I've got stuff in the oven and I'm getting five phone calls at once. So I'm actually pretty busy. Okay. Well, everybody hit stop on their recordings. Yeah. Aha! Uh, hi, Lote. How's it going? Yeah, I ripped the mask off. Haha, it, it, it was me, Lote, the whole time. Uh, I'm good. Well, you're here in the place of Kyrie, our uh, our our consultant in the fields, our our field reporter who is who is gearing up for a big thing, and in the meantime, also just working a lot. So, uh, Lote, you are a, are a newcomer to this show. I am. So I'll warn you that any uh, bad opinions will be penalized. Of course. <laughs> ruthlessly scrutinize me. I'm ready. But I'm not completely without a heart, so I will allow Jen to show you how this works by letting her go first. Okay. Um. So, I recently started playing this uh, adventure game called Who's Lila? It's a pretty unique one. I might need to share an image with y'all just to get an idea of what I'm talking about. But, like, it's an adventure game where your main method of interacting with the world is uh, adjusting the individual uh, parts of your face to make various expressions. Like, uh, the protagonist at the beginning gives this little speech about how, since they were little, they weren't able to, like, emote naturally the same way everyone else does. So... They have to essentially go in front of the mirror um, at the start of every every day and practice. And when you're getting asked questions, you basically have to like individually stretch this person's face out to various parts in order to express anger, sadness, laughter, that kind of thing. Um, it also happens to be you're in an interesting predicament because a person has gone missing and everyone kind of knows like everyone the cops your friends everyone knows that you were the last person to see them so Hmm. you're basically going around interacting with people trying to make normal faces in front of them essentially and uh or what what will pass for a normal face anyway showing people what they want to see (laughs) Yeah, and there are times when someone will ask you an important question and suddenly your face starts moving a bit on its own, so you have to get it under control to get the response you want. Hmm. Yeah, it's obviously kind of a comedic game just because of the way that you move the face around. Um, Like, apparently, in order to make this work, they had to get it into some neural net training just because it was very difficult to get the computer recognized. Okay, 
what does a happy face look like? What does a sad face look like and stuff? But um, it's also pretty heavy into horror at times. Like, Oh, yeah. The art style makes that pretty clear <laughs> yeah. right off the bat. Yeah, there are moments where someone will ask you a question and your character will answer on their own and will be making a very creepy face. Or there, hmm. there's a moment where you're like going through a specific area and when something scary comes out you have to you have to basically shut your eyes as quickly as you can in order for it to pass and uh it's it's just a really unique way of interacting with a game like this i think and there's something about the way that like it's it basically all these faces are not actors they're basically generated from a bunch of other faces but there's something to that specific photorealistic sort of qualities to it while mm -hmm. the 3D models are all like PS1 style horror game that adds a lot to the atmosphere going on. Yeah, it's almost like um, FMV game kind of vibes, where it's like like pixelated down versions of what looks like actors, um, which I, I get also kind of um, adds to the horror element a little bit, where it's like the the low res de decolored um, versions of reality. That is just a little off-settling and creepy. Um, it's really engaging from the screenshots of, that you've shared, um, or yeah. really interesting. Um, and uh, I was looking, I was looking up the game a bit since you mentioned it uh, at a time. And the sort of pitch that they have on the Steam page is like that: the controlling your character's face is like in place of the dialogue decisions that you'd find in a normal adventure game, like a Telltale game or something. And I, I think that like that that's a really strong pitch of like. Um, in interacting with um, sort of like expression and uh, communication in nonverbal ways, and is and because a lot of the times the decision trees in adventure games are basically like even if you're picking like specific sentences for your character to say, it basically comes down to like approve, disapprove, or like express approval or disapproval, and it just comes down to like a, a fundamental emotion anyway. So just dealing with the expression of emotion in a different way from just words and dialogue um, is a really engaging uh, like narrative premise. And so it seems like a really um, cool thing about this game. Yeah, it's it's a definitely unique change of pace since I've played a lot of games like uh, Telltale games, as you mentioned. And uh, there's something kind of thrilling to the idea of, okay, I need to make a face that seems like it would be it seems like i'm not having a weird reaction to a serious question i've just been asked and i have a limited amount of time to get that right before things move on and uh it's it's interesting in that it's not so much giving you choices to make in terms of like a or b so much as just everyone around you is making the choices for you by how they're interacting to the face you're presenting to them Right. So, so if I'm understanding you right, I guess it's not actually so much of like a choose your own adventure where you're using your facial expression to decide what answer you're giving, but rather, I guess it's almost more like a puzzle game where you're trying to figure out the right uh, sort of uh, combination of physical features and um, like um, facial uh, emotes uh, to properly appease ahead the person in front of you and give you what they're looking for in order to proceed and not get in trouble is that is that sort of more the vibe 
it, it's kind of both because like there are things that will or will not get you in trouble, but the story moves forward and it brings you to a different ending. Like there's right on on the back of the box, there's like 15 different endings to this, but there's even more if you go out of your way to try weird things. Like uh, this is one of those games that much like uh, hmm. Something like Doki Doki Literature Club or things like that, where it kind of plays with your PC as much as you're playing within the game space. Like, uh, there's a specific DLC thing you can download for free called a daemon. Um, and basically when you double click it to open it, it's open up in a slightly different window and it's like a clay, it's like a clay face. And when you go into specific rooms where there's something you can interact with that would take the story in a completely odd direction. It'll suddenly pipe up and give you a one sentence hit or things like that. And, uh, apparently there's even another secret route that you get. If you go in and futz with the game files, like, uh, if you purposefully corrupt your save, it brings you forward. Hmm. How much, um, like you, you, you called it an adventure game. Uh, how much like, but beyond the facial stuff, like how much like other types of interactions do you have? Like, do you, do you get to use gun on man? So there is an end. I mean, you do have an inventory of sorts where you pick up certain items and then you use them. Um, and there is also at least one specific, uh, stealth sequence where you're getting chased around by this person. But, uh, overall it's mostly you, like, most of your interaction is knowing, like, trying to look for various things and seeing what happens if you move them to certain objects. Like, uh, <laughs> there's a part where you get a reel of sorts from one ending, and when you bring it into another scenario and use it on another object in a different ending, it gets you something else entirely. Okay. So, so there is, like, um, Content, like, like you, you carry forward past your endings and can bring progress to unlock new endings that you couldn't have gotten the first time then. Yep. And uh, not to spoil too much about the structure, but you also like get to a point where you're suddenly talking to a, another person about all the events of the game. And every time you go through one of the endings, you can return to that spot and have a new conversation with them. Right. Yeah. It sounds like a pretty interesting approach. I mean, does it come together for you, or is it mostly, like, cool ideas? I think it comes together for me. Like, uh, I think you could probably have a conversation about how, like, people struggling to emote in front of others is somewhat something of a real thing. And there's even a character that questions you that's like, so what you're describing sounds pretty... That, that sounds... Have you been tested for um, any neurodivergence or things like that? And uh, it that part gets a little in the woods just because it's your character situation is a lot more fantastical than like anything in reality, in terms of just the way that you're dragging it, and also just the reveal about why they are like this. But. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's trying enough unique things, and it's also getting in some good creepy moments without being too outright scary, that it's pretty engaging. Like, 
And there's something about the way that it just has you searching everywhere, like even outside the game. Like there's a moment where you you can find a Twitter handle in a specific locker, and if you look that Twitter account up, there's an image there that helps you move to the next area. <laughs> that that's how um, that's how expansive this gets, and it's neat so to it's see majestic. them. Majestic. <laughs> it's majestic without the subscription or the phone calls, basically. Well, without the phone calls, why are we even bothering? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's doing a lot of neat things, and I'm glad I checked it out. Like, I, I think I initially saw it on a interview from the Game Developer website. Like, uh, they were getting interviewed about the tech they used and how difficult it was to make this game. And I saw enough of the screenshots that it captured my attention, and it's been well worth checking out, I think. How long was it? Mm-hmm. Um, There are still parts that I still need to do explore but i've seen others describe the entire thing as like taking six hours to complete if you go for everything okay so pretty substantial then yeah 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 and i mean i'm super curious like um i think just describing the premise like it's one of those things where um a few basic applications of it like you know happy sad kind of or like not looking disturbed kind of um interactions come to mind immediately um you, like you can immediately imagine like the basic um sort of like use case the 101 puzzle built with this formula with this mechanic um but then i'm really curious like what there is you know in hours five hours six you know how far they're able to push the mechanic and it makes me want to play really want to play it so that's like a really i guess that's like the hallmarks of like a really good core premise or mechanic to build your game around that like it's immediately clear like how it could be used um in a couple basic ways but then it's really enticing to see what the game developers who spent years <laughs> or dealing with this idea uh came up with and how far they were. yeah yeah um it sounds like a game that i never want to touch with a 10-foot pole but it sounds cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah I-, I know you don't go in too much with the creepy vibe six not so much not so much i don't either but this one sounds like bite-sized enough that I think I might be able to handle it, but I also might know about. But yeah, I don't. I don't. Think Hubris. That's true. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, Lote, would you like to go first, or, or would you like me to to step in here? It's up to you. Uh, I can go ahead. Uh, on the recommendation of some friends, I recently checked out uh, the anime Birdie Wing. Um, golf. Oh crap! What's it called? Golf Story. Something like that. Um, mm-hmm. The girl, girls' golf story. Girls' golf story. That's it. And boy, is it girls. Uh, um, like that's i guess i can actually just start with that point um it's it's a show where before you even get to the basic premise it's a show that's just straight up like about women they every character you see in a position of like any power or significance uh or doing anything in the plot is a woman um even you know like like uh, high-ranking people like the only men in the show are kind of just like uh like uh not necessarily joke characters but just like kind of played as kind of pathetic and like the protagonists take advantage of and outsmart in very brief scenes kind of thing 
uh, barely even mm. given names kind of thing. Uh, and that, that was something that struck me watching it, is like, this really much is like a, a girl's story. Well, not just girl's story, but also like women. Like, it's, it's the main characters are young girls, but also like the powerful figures that sort of have control over the world that it's built up, at least in the first few episodes that I've seen, are women. Uh, and they're not like at the whims of men, they're at the of powerful men or anything running the world, they're at the whims of powerful women. And that was something that kind of stood out to me as interesting and setting a bit of a unique tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, how far in are you? Uh, I've watched the first three episodes so far. Um, I, was, I was saying oh, to okay. Jen before yes. that I've so sort we've of all seen, all we've all seen the same thing. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I basically didn't install any of it, and I haven't listened to your um podcast about it yet, so um, I'm sort of uh, going in my own threats a little fresh. Oh, so that's the classic mistake. You got to go in with our thoughts. That's Yours true. don't matter. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get a much better review at the end of the podcast <laughs> if I just repeat exactly your opinions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think we. I I wasn't as hot on it. I think I, I sometimes it is hard for me to tell. Like when Curie tends to be more outspoken in her opinions, but even she sometimes kind of like when we're on a podcast like oops and like two people are neutral and one person is passionate. Sometimes the passion sort of wins out and everyone's like, yeah, I guess you're right. This is what this show is. Um, with a little distance, Jen, how did you feel? Um, it's, it's still a show that I think pretty fondly of like, uh, it's, it's a show that just kind of escalates in interesting ways. And there's just also something about like the sheer bravado of it. Like, Hmm. I guess, I don't know whether this is a spoiler or not, just mentioning that eventually there are two men that get a little bit more significant, but it's just them, like, creating golf universe versions of Char and Amuro from Gundam. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Yeah, uh, for for me, I felt like... (sighs) The thing is, it's a sports anime, and it doesn't know how to make the sport work. So, that's actually... The thing that I think is interesting, I'm like a little, I'm mixed leaning positive on the show, I think. Um, but mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because I think it hits like a lot of the like classic um, sports anime things uh, where, you know, it has like the big flashiness of it where, you know, it turns like the golf shot into this like big magical thing. They, they call them the golf shots bullets. And there's big colorful uh, like like vortexes that the golf balls go through. Uh, and there's also the thing of, like, we have uh, different characters, like, narrate uh, just, like, a basic golf shot and you know, going into all the detail. And what I think the show does really well out of the sort of, like, classic sports anime things is getting to the, like, emotion and values associated with uh, the sport uh, and, like, each character's different interpretation of the sport, which I think is, like, my favorite thing in sports animes when it gets to, like, this person's approach to the game, what it says about, like, their ideology that reflects, like, the way they think in general. Um, it can be mm. a little, like, essentializing of people sometimes. Like, okay, like, the poor girl, or, like, like the rich girl has the refined approach, and then the, the, the poor girl has the, like, practical, just get-the-job-done approach. Um, but over, I, I really like how, it, when it gets to, like, how, like, the things we do express the ways we think and behave and who we are... And I think the show hits that those ideas really well, um, which is which again is for me is a hallmark of sports anime. The problem the problem is just like it feels sometimes like it's kind of brushing over the actual game they're playing, which is maybe what you were getting at six. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, like, for example, I mean, you talked about, like, the main character's ability is her, her different, like, she's the, she's the rainbow bullet, and so all of her strokes are the different bullets, and basically that just means every one of her moves is hit the ball really hard, but she says a different color before she does it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. It's, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, I guess I need to build on what I was saying a second ago. I think when that works is when they're saying, like, she's never been to golf school for her golf has always been like a practical thing that she did like to to get results to to win bets and to make money and so she never learned sort of the, the fancier techniques um she's just learned how to hit the ball real good and get it to go as close to the hole as possible in a basically a straight line and how that style compares mm-hmm. with the sort of classically trained professional uh golf girl um and so the way in which like their approach to the game reflects sort of like their backgrounds and the way they think about life in general, I think is really strong, but they, they, they there, there's a lot of times where like, I'm not even sure like if they landed the shot, the, 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 if the ball even went in the hole or if they needed one more stroke or what, right. They kind of like brush over some of the details, which can be a little unsatisfying. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've said what I think is wrong with it. I, I don't know how you mm-hmm. feel about, um, how strong it is as a sports anime, Jen? Um, well, it's one of those things where Six has a little bit more experience with sports anime than I do, but also, like, I just found it very entertaining to watch. Like, even if it, it the, the skill set involved for all these characters is very one-note and limited, like, there's just something to the idea of, like, okay, this girl's gonna play it like the one asshole friend who gets into Tiger Woods or Mario Golf and is like, I'm just going to ignore the bounds of this this specific arena. I'm just going to hit it into the woods, and if I just keep hitting it into the woods, eventually I'll get through. Except, like, she's able to make that work somehow. And uh, it's really fun to watch that, and also just... The vibes are a lot of fun. <laughs> like the yeah. bit where they suddenly take their clubs out and are like pointing them at each other, just more and or less doing a, a sunrise post style showdown. That part is so exciting. <laughs> it's really exciting. And I think what makes that work so well, and one of the things I took away is like my biggest positives about the show is the rivalry between the two characters, um, Aoi and Eve, that are the two main characters, the two we've been talking about so far, the sort of rich, classically trained golfer, and the sort of the, the poor golfs uh, as a matter of practicality to make money girl, um, respectively. Uh, it, it So it builds up the rivalry between these two characters, but it's not a rivalry in, like, they're, they're competing with each other, but it's like the two see each other's uh, contrasting styles and they are like completely like fascinated and taken with and enamored by it and it's like uh, it's a rivalry of like mutual affection and being like I want to best that person because I think they're amazing and seeing this new approach to a thing I love and have spent a lot of time at is really exciting and I found I really like that dynamic instead of them just immediately instead of it immediately being like a direct conflict between the two like oh this is a threat to me um, or like this is a challenger to my title that kind of stuff they're really going at it in like the best po- uh, best possible like or like a, i guess i don't want to say most sportsman like because i don't actually think that's how sports is but like the most like respectful approach where the two are they're just excited to try to best each other for competition's sake and they're really enamored with each other and i just think that's so fun and wonderful to watch them just be really earnest and happy and excited by another person 
instead of just immediately going to this like tense, bitter, um, having to open up later kind of thing, because they're just like mad and, and like competing vigorously at first. Um, and that felt like a bit refreshing. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of sports anime, so maybe there are a lot of others that do this, but I, I feel like the sort of default plot beat would be that they're like pretty hostile to each other and like, I, I reject your approach. I would never accept that. That's a heresy to golf, both of them, right? Uh, you know, one find it snobby, the other find it crude. Uh, but that's not what they do. They really admire each other's styles and le- look to learn from the other. And I found that was what so was charming and exciting to watch. Yeah, I think like I don't intend this necessarily as a, as like a, as like a a criticism of it, but it is I think the case where it's like the the line is very clear to draw in sports anime of like is it about girls or is it about boys? Gender is incredibly real in anime, um, and if it's about a bunch of boys then they just have a hot-blooded rivalry and they're pissed all the time. And if it's about girls, it's all fun, all good fun, and they get along at the end of the day. And that's just, like, kind of without exception. See, to me, it felt more like something like Megalobox, where you just have these characters who, like, catch each other's eye and they end up, like, devoting their time and energy much to the frustration of their trainers, um into adapting themselves to the other person's style or excelling in their own style so that they can have a true face-off. I don't feel like you can separate the part where in Megalobox, the middle point is them beating each other bloody, right? Like, masculinity has to have its word. Um, I don't feel like you get that, like, nicer version Mm -hmm. of it if if, if it was, like, a male golf anime. I'm not saying it's impossible, but, like, I feel like the Megalobox example is kind of like, well, they can have it all be fun and games because it's kind of the other male trope of, like, you know, we punched it out and now we're best buds. Yeah, I, I guess it could be seen like that. The only exception I'm thinking about is, like, Yuri on Ice, but that's, like, explicitly playing with gender roles. And I guess sort of the main dynamic is, like, a coach-player dynamic. So I guess it's, like, the exception that proves your rule. I think you're making a really good point, Six. Hmm. You know, and it's, you know, there are, there are exceptions in general. Like, it's just, like, I think, generally speaking, there is a, a, a very clear gulf in approach between sports anime starring women and sports anime starring men. Right. Which, I guess, gets back to the original point of, like, the the this this is a girl's golf story especially and that comes mm-hmm. through in the tone and the writing um in addition to just the characters that i was talking about mm-hmm. yeah they still find ways to insert some pretty red hot blood uh action going on though like the whole mafia mm-hmm. situation <laughs> where <laughs> yeah the, it's you a very this gigantic uh, mafia organization with women in it <laughs> Yeah, well, there's this gigantic mafia organization, and like just, but it's like centered around golf, as far as I can tell. There's this whole golf, like, underworld, and also the like incredibly lucrative, like, mega golf corporations on the like legal side as well. Uh, and it's just, I, I thought it was fun, but also a bit silly and at risk of maybe falling apart and getting, uh, and not really working the longer the show goes. But um, just the, the just the sort of absurd universe around golf in this show—it's charming because it's silly. Um, although I'm not, but I'm not sure how they'll handle it when they have to actually build out that universe for further plotline. Yeah, just uh, the next episode is going to be specifically 
the blonde haired woman's gonna have to fight against a golf vampire on a course that uh, changes based on random number generation, from what I remember. Right. And there's already been, like, uh, you know, golf, manip- golf balls manipulated by magnets and stuff. Like, a lot of stuff that's um, maybe plausible, but, like, very over the top and silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though, though, in the case of the magnet thing, I think it was just, like, a just a small-time hustler on a yeah. um, putting course or whatever. So I could see people just messing around like that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely plausible. Um, I guess, I guess, actually, the, the, the sort of um, the thing about that that ties into the point we're making is, like, the fact that there are, like, um, hu- what hustlers are doing is, like, golf putting in this universe. That's just, like, how ubiquitous golf is. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll I'll round out our uh, our our podcast with some discussion of uh, Kingdom news. <laughs> yeah, thought it was over, but now it's back. It's back indeed. Uh, I'm back with some more Kingdom news because I have been playing uh, River City Saga: Three Kingdoms. is part of the, of course, River City slash Kunio-kun, depending on uh, where you live, uh, series uh, that started with River City Ransom back on the NES. Um, so, it is, um, okay. Who, who here knows River City Ransom? I'm ready to be disappointed. Um, I know a little bit about it, like, uh, yeah, weirdly enough, I think I've played I think I'm more familiar with the spin-offs than the original. Like, uh, I've, um, I- I'm not entirely sure whether there's a split on who owns the name River City Ransom and who owns Kunio-kun, just because, uh, it seems like Arc System Works has some of it, but not all of it in terms of rights. And, uh, yeah, you just have a bunch of guys walking around punching punching people who yell out barf and then uh release a bunch of coins yeah so they the original river city ransom um which i i um it is technically the third in the kunio kun series but the previous ones were were pretty different one of them was a dodgeball game um they are like uh, generally, um, like high school Japan themed beat 'em ups, where you are like a, a high school like tough, uh, and you know sometimes your girlfriend gets kidnapped, sometimes you just have to beat people up for unspecified reasons. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also they have a bunch of other, you know, they've they've had a whole lot of spinoffs. There have been more dodgeball games. They've played baseball. They played soccer. Um, Recently, there has been um, River City Girls, which stars, you know, some of the some of the um, girl characters who are usually less important. And there's a sequel to that coming out soon. That game was all right. I had problems with that at release, but then they changed it. That's good. Um, And it's interesting to bring up River City Girls because River City Girls is sort of a like it's a retro throwback, right, of a game. But. The thing you realize upon playing River City Saga Three Kingdoms is that for the series, River City Girls was practically, like, blasphemously advanced. 
Um, <laughs> because the Kunio Kun series has just been making like better looking and bigger NES games for the last 30 years, 40 years. Um, which is basically where I'm coming down on, on three kingdoms here. Um, it stars the characters of Kunio Kun as the, the, people of the three kingdoms era uh china and it tells that story um kunio himself is guan yu for instance um and you're tell you're just going through a really like light kind of like details sanded off cartoon version of the three kingdoms story where it's like oh no we've got to go beat up the yellow turbans and it's like okay first of all it's all just fist fighting you can pick up like you know, a weapon, but it's the same as like picking up a weapon in any beat 'em up where you hold it for a few seconds until someone kicks you, right? And then it falls out of your hands. Um and it's just really like it just feels kinda rough, and not rough in like it's buggy or anything, but it's just like, okay, there was a uh an event fight I had early on where uh, in order to establish who was going to be the oldest brother of the classic trio of uh, Xuanda, a.k.a. Liu Bei, uh, Guan Yu, and Zhang Fei, we're like, okay, we're going to have a fight, and the winner's going to be decided, you know, the the oldest brother and the sort of the, the, the official head of the trio. Um, and Zhang Fei has a move where he just does, a, like, a tornado spin attack, um, and during it, he's invincible... And if you're near him, you can't block. You just get caught into a string of damage that does about 20% of your health. Um, and he just did it 12 times in a row with no opening. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, I guess I just lose then. Um, thanks. Wow. <laughs> uh, or, or like, I mean, it's just a lot of like classic beat-em-up problems from, from, you know, the old days where they were, you know, interested in quarter gobbling, where there's just so many like unfair interactions and, like, scenarios where, like, these things don't feel quite right. Um, it's just not a very good beat-em-up. Um, it's okay. But combine that with the fact that it's a really bland take on the Three Kingdoms, and I'm just really disappointed. Yeah, and it's not like there aren't other good modern beat-em-ups you can get right now. Like... Hell, just a few weeks ago, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Shredder's Revenge came out, and, like, that game has been critically beloved. It's pretty much selling all over the place. It's... And it does so much to, like, modernize that sort of formula. Like, you can even just hit a button and go online and have people um, drop in or drop out whenever they want. Like, uh... It's... It's surrounded by places that are modernizing the genre and doing it in a way that, like, makes it significantly better. Yeah. Um, and so I was afraid I wouldn't have too much to talk about, but don't worry. Brain sickness has consumed me, which is why when I told y'all what I was talking about, I added an asterisk. Oh, Okay. It was very stealthy of me, because I'm also here to talk about SD Gundam World Sangoku Soketsuden. Yeah. 
and its sequel series SD Gundam World Heroes. Of course, uh, World Sengoku Soketsuden is their uh, Three Kingdoms adaptation. Yeah. That they... we, co we covered partially for Oops. Yeah. I, I remember thinking, like, okay, some of these are, like, some of the simplifications you're using here are kind of bad in terms of the historical context, but uh, it, it was a cute enough show. What's wrong with turning the uh, populist rebellion into literal zombies? There's nothing bad about that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Lote, you're awful quiet. What, how are you on the Three Kingdoms? Uh, mostly unfamiliar. Um, although, uh, there was actually something I wanted to talk to you about about the River City game. Um, I was yeah. watching some gameplay of it, um, since you mentioned those that you played, and what I'm what actually like interested me just from looking at it, I don't know a ton about beat em up games, but what interests me from the gameplay is actually the art style of this game. Because at first I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, it, it's like um, they're just making like a new NES game. And so it kind of has mm -hmm. like a bit of like um, a pixel art in dropped in 3D kind of look. Almost like the first thing I thought of was Octopath Traveler, where you're like walking forward and back and left and right, but it's like sure. pixel art. But then like, the more I look at it, the more it's, like, only really the character models that are actually, like, pixel art. And there's just, like, random, like, 3D elements in the foreground and background. And it looks kind of weird and inconsistent. And then all the, like, character portraits are kind of, like, um, I don't know if cel-shaded is the right word, but they're, like, a completely different style also. And Yeah, they're just anime portraits. Th like, they're, they're not th cel-shaded because they're totally 2D, yeah. Right, right. I, I forget the right word. It's, like, it's the same effect as the... Um, what they did to the pixel art portraits for the um, Phoenix Wright HD trilogy, where they kind of like mm. smoothed over it. Um, I'm trying to remember the term for that. It's not associated, but I forget what it is. But it's kind of like smoothed over um, anime portraits. And it seems kind of all over the place. And I'm wondering if you think that's cool or bad and a mess or, or how that sort of came off to you actually playing it. Um, I mean, so this game is $30. Right. Right. Um, and I feel like that's mostly because of its length. Um, I do feel like it is a game that is trying to combine different art styles together, not sort of to create a dramatic effect, but it's kind of like, how can we do the cheapest version of each element and yeah. still have them combined <laughs> in a semi-coherent way? Um, because, yeah, you're right, like, most of the background elements are 3D and not, like, stunning-looking 3D no. either. But occasionally there are, like, sprites of horses in the background. Um, it, the water, it lo it, the water looks like uh, when you play Minecraft with, like, a shader pack, and it's, like, the, like, super fancy, but also still Minecraft. And it looks kind of cool, yeah. but it's also kind of just there with a bunch of other styles in the same frame. yeah. So you brought up uh, Octopath Traveler Lote. Um, I have played two different games that were done in a similar sort of HD 2D style, uh, both released by Square Enix this year, uh, Triangle Strategy and the modern uh, remake of Live Alive. And both of them show that you can make the whole 3D background plus 2D sprite thing work, but you have to put some real effort in it. You have to put a lot mm -hmm. of consideration into it like a lot of time and consideration and from the screenshots of this river city saga three kingdoms it doesn't look like that same time and consideration was put into this well and it's also like the ui elements are like often look very flash game 
which yeah. like I like flash games, but that's another that's a that's a fourth aesthetic that is just thrown in <laughs> yeah. here. Um yeah, I don't think it really comes together, but I don't think it's it's like it's not too distracting when you're in it. It's just sort of if you ever stop, you're like, I mean, this looks the way it looks, huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> like I got to an area where I had to ride a boat to uh, to cross a, a big expanse of water. And one, it sucked. Um, just was very unpleasant. But like. That's because the boat was a 3D model that was like was doing a loop de loop, right? <laughs> Where it would go, it would go across the top of the screen and then get to your side and do a little U turn and go back along sort of the foreground instead of the background and just back and forth and back and forth. And seeing that very boxy boat turn just looked like shit. Um, <laughs> and your character on the boat so. is a 2D sprite, so they just have to flip. Yeah, and there's kind of an effect yeah. like that in the gameplay I'm watching. There's a bit where the character has to like jump to an element of the level and hit a bell, but the bell is just like a 3D like 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 Unity like bell or something in the foreground, and the character is kind of like clipping through it as a sprite, and it looks a bit distracting. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a weird it's a weird look, um, and frankly, it's also a weird look in uh, the SD Gundam series. Because I don't know if you've looked up some screenshots of this, but it is 3D models of super deformed, that's what SD stands for, Gundams. Um, let's get you, uh, okay, actually, let's do an ex let's do a really uh, extra one. Um, let's do the protagonist of uh, the follow-up series, uh, the uh, World Heroes. Um, this is Wukong Impulse Gundam. He's a lot to look at. That there's a and lot that's of his mind. base form. <laughs> that's his, he, that's his base form. Not he even transforms his final form. into uh I mean he's got he's got uh this one for instance. Uh he's got various ones where he has different colored visors. One of them he has like a Buddhist necklace. There's one where he turns all white and he has like red and blue sashes and like a halo. Um, one of them, he turns giant. Um, there's a, there's a lot going on with him. Um, so, so the main like three kingdoms one, right. Is the shorter one of the two. And it is basically just a, um, kids somewhat sloppy adaptation of three kingdoms. It's fine. It's relatively inoffensive. Oh, here have a model of one of its forms, which is just a nightmare to look at. Um, here, this is a painted model, so it looks better than it would. Wow. Huh. Okay. But there's a lot. It's a lot happening with your eyes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. But, yeah, basically they resolve. Um. They resolve the Three Kingdoms uh, anime by being like, well, it turns out everyone's cool except for Lu Bu and Sima Yi. Those two fucking suck. Everyone else. <laughs> great uh except for dong Dongshuo died a long time ago in the and he, he dies very early on but the real thing is when they then pivot to world heroes Die, 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 die
Which is like, okay, we start doing a thing where every country is a story, right? And the stories they pick for... Okay, so obviously China is three kingdoms, right? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, Japan is uh, Sengoku era Japan. So you've got like Nobunaga and stuff, right? Right. America is just New York City and it's Robocop. <laughs> Contemporary to, to Sengoku and uh, Three Kingdoms is Robocop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's give you let's give you an image of oh oh no, that's giving me the wrong. Yes, there we go. It's not Verde Buster Gundam. I want Sergeant Verde Buster Gundam, oh, please. Uh, so here is Sergeant Verde Buster Gundam, <laughs> aka Robocop. Uh, his favorite his favorite oh, thing nice. to say is like his catchphrase is Watashi no data. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot. Um, also in that same universe is Arsene Lupin. Um, he's he's Robocop's nemesis, of course. Wow. Uh-huh. That's a lot. Uh, and then um, you have two Englands. One of them is Pirate Land. Um where all the the pirates are um it's it's supposed to be based on the golden age of piracy i think you have um um and then you you also of course have the like classic uh sd gundam throwback to the old sd gundam anime so you have kingdom world where um it's king arthur and robin hood and merlin yeah of course right Obviously. It, um, it was really a crapshoot whether that would go in the direction of King Arthur or go to steampunk London because like if I've watched enough I, I've watched enough anime and played enough visual novels to know that uh folks fucking love steampunk London whenever they can get it. It's true, but it is more of a recent thing and it's a it's a throwback to the original SD Gundam which is from 88. So Although, that's that's the night Gundam baby. To be fair though, it sounds like the approach of this show is just have both. If we feel like steampunk London, we can just throw that in as a third England. Sure, sure, that's fair. Um you also of course have um I don't even know, it's it's called Regina World, right? Um and we zoom in, and our introduction is there's a giant, like, metal and glass pyramid. Um, and inside of it is Caesar, Legend Gundam, and his wife, Cleopatra. And you're like, okay? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, the whole thing is extremely, extremely baffling. Uh, it's about, um, it's mostly about... Wukong Impulse Gundam, who is, of course, Journey to the West, right? But he is Journey to the West all in one because he's Wukong, the the Monkey King, but then he also sometimes has a different personality and turns into the monk and sometimes turns into the pig. And then sometimes he turns into, like, two at once and that's a different personality and they're like, it's it's extremely confusing. Also, don't worry, Sima Yi is still here and he's still just the big bad. For a kid's show, this all sounds needlessly complicated to a gigantic degree. There's literally a line where Zhuge Liang, Kong Ming himself, says to Liu Bei, don't worry about it, all evil comes from Sima Yi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not I as wanted complicated to screenshot I that. Thought, then. Yeah. I wanted to screenshot that, but it's Crunchyroll, so it won't let me. 
but it was <laughs> oh. a hell of a line. I, I guess it can go either way. It's either really complicated or really simple because they're not actually trying to make it work. They're just like, a bunch of cool stuff exists and there's no need to justify it because it's justified by the fact that it's cool. Yeah, more or less. Uh, Robocop and uh, Arsene became best friends. Um, wow. Oh. Rivals to lovers? <laughs> well, so... Robocop, of course, was hunting down Arsene because he's stealing all these national treasures. And then the reveal, once he finally corners Arsene, is Arsene is like, yeah, these are all, like, artifacts from other cultures that you stole because you're fucking Americans. And I'm stealing them to return them. And Robocop's like, you're a damn hero. Okay, wait, alternate twist. It, uh-huh. The reveal is that Lupin stole the ultimate treasure, which was Robocop's heart. I mean, I do think we could, if you want to add in a Persona world, we could do that. Oh, wait, I just meant, like, romance. I didn't literally mean, like, I know, phantom things. <laughs> well, you just, but you're drawing such a direct line. That's I true. had to make the comment. That's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fuck it. I mean, we can we can add in uh, Persona worlds to this. We can keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, never, never stops. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say. Fucking... Uh, Zhao Long, Jen? Yeah. The fucking fourth of the three brothers, the the hero. One, the like their shout out to the the thing where he rescues Shwanda's baby and rides through a battlefield with Shwanda's baby is him doing it with Haro, which is kind of great. <laughs> but uh, then <laughs> then the start of World Heroes is they're like, we need to find all the Haros to fend off a catastrophe, right? And so he heads to America land. Liberty City, right? No relation. Um, and there he immediately forgets his mission, decides he wants to be the disciple of uh, Arsene Lupin Gundam X, and dyes his hair blonde and gets sunglasses. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and they're like, they're like Deus Ex, like human revolution sunglasses. They like pop out from like his, like, like his under his his eye wells oh boy <laughs> i just they make so many choices there's a there's a choice per minute ratio on this uh show that is is a lot like when did this season come out again um 2021 um what? i believe by the end of 2021 it was over i'm only through episode so uh, listen, and in preparation for that, I don't. I'm afraid I haven't done all my work, right? Uh, I have only watched 33 episodes of anime. I apologize. I'm <laughs> oh underprepared. Oh, <laughs> uh, Cleopatra's evil now, and she resurrected uh, Lubu and uh, Dao Chen. Okay, I-, I was gonna ask you, like, do you think they? were aware, like, okay, we're probably only getting one more season out of this. Let's just go buck wild. I think they they were baffled that they got the second season. I really do. They were like, shit, all right. Uh, this is an excuse to make really stupid things. Let's, I mean, fucking Robocop Buster Gundam is so dumb. The, the way they put the Sheriff's badge just like on his face, or just like on the top of his head, <laughs> it's just, it's obscene. I don't know what other word for to use. <laughs> Uh, let's see if I can find the evil SD Cleopatra Gundam. 
um because yeah because she was she's been possessed um and and she's turned evil now you'll be able to tell these shows are not subtle in these things what is the deal with making cleopatra evil by the way that's like a recurring um just like if if you want me to answer honestly um, I assume it has something to do with the Western uh, cultural influence of Christianity and their long-term vendetta against Egypt. Yeah, that, that's that my be guess. Part of it. <laughs> God, yeah. if this show had a Sherlock Holmes Gundam, I would just lose my mind. That would that would be good, um, but unfortunately, unfortunately, no. Uh, the pirate ones are a lot. Let me see. Uh, SD World Heroes Pirate. I can't remember the names of them. Um, oh yeah, there's um, here's uh, Captain Benjamin Second V Gundam. <laughs> God. Um, and then there's uh, his his first mate Edward. Um, who does have dreads. Of course, as any self-respecting English pirate would. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, That's why they call them dread pirates, right? Yeah, dreadnoughts. Well played, well played. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't understand anything that's happening to me in my life anymore. I've lost control, it's a terrible spiral, and uh, hopefully someone will put me out of my misery. <laughs> on that uh, note <laughs> here's evil nobunaga yes on that i'll make no- a folder of these and i'll put them in the i'll put them in the show notes for anyone who wants to see all these great designs <laughs> yeah on that note here's evil nobunaga <laughs> uh, they- but, but yeah um that's been that's my oh i, I just to say it out loud right uh-huh We've had Kunio Kun doing a Three Kingdoms. We've had Rayman Raving Rabbids doing a Three Kingdoms. They've had their new fucking minigame collection, which is Three Kingdoms themed. We've had the fucking Neo guys making their new their new souls like, but it's Three Kingdoms. Everyone is trying to fill the gap because fucking Creative Assembly won't do their goddamn jobs and make Total War Three Kingdoms too. It is pretty wild how all of a sudden Three Kingdoms is fucking big in terms of, like, everyone doing their own spin on it. Like, at this exact moment, and there's not even a news post about, oh, hey, Three Kingdoms 2 or something from Total War. Yeah, no, they have said said nothing for more than a year. Um, And at the the year, what they said was, and we'll do something else. (laughs) That was all they had. Yep. What the only other thing Creative Assembly's been talking about is that new battle royale free to play shooter they're making because <sighs> right. Yeah, we sure do need another one of those. <sighs> yep. Well, I th- that's that's it for for me. We ready to we ready to wrap here, gang? Seems like it. Seems like we'll finally um, put our listeners out of their misery, as you put it. Uh, the three media that we brought to the table long divided have united. Um, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Lote, where can people find you and your stuff on the internet? Thank you for thank you for filling in a spot for us. Of course, it was my pleasure. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at the Master of Cube. 
Uh, Jen, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JBU3. Most of my stuff is on scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. Um, you can also find our current episodes of Novel Not New, a true end podcast at readinggames.online. It's a, a narrative gaming book club podcast, uh, but that's going to be moving over to Scanline Media as well in the near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at Six Detmar, S-I-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. Uh, you can also find my work, like Jen, scanlinemedia.com, patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, folks, and until next time, peace out. See ya. See ya.